Do you love this podcast? Do you wish you could learn even more? Well, we have an online class bundle. Our online class bundle is comprised of three online classes, Beautifying Your Home for Less, Styling Your Home, and The Fundamentals of Feng Shui. Each one of those three classes is between 30 and 45 minutes long and chock-filled with visuals and tips, things that will help you to style your own space or help out with other spaces. Additionally, with the pack of three classes, you get an autographed copy of my book, Affordable Interior Design. You get all of that for only $99. Once again, that's the three online classes as well as the book for only $99. You just go to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to buy your bundle today. And if one of those classes sounded intriguing, but maybe you already have my book or some of the other topics are not of interest, you can buy the classes individually at that site as well. Each class is $40. So head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to get your bundle or your online class today. need a high-end designer or a lot of money to get a luxe look be your own interior designer with big design small budget here's your host betsy helmuth hi guys it is great to be back with you and luckily lots of questions have been pouring in while i was away so without further ado let's dig in So my first writer is Ski. So Ski writes, Betsy, I love listening to the podcast. I finally looked you up on your website and I love your down-to-earth ideas on your blog, affordableinteriordesign.com. And I enjoyed your feedback today that not everybody needs design school. I have been restyling rooms for clients using their own items and coaching them throughout the project. And I also love store displays. Okay. With all that said, could you please, please open a shop in Idaho? I live 20 minutes outside of Boise, and I think you could do some great things out west. Also, will you be at the market in Las Vegas at the end of the month? I would love to meet you. Hope to get more information on your upcoming classes and your brand new book. Have a great day, Ski. All right, Ski. So my new book dropped. It dropped while I was out of pocket. It dropped in January and it is on shelves now. It is called Affordable Interior Design. You can get it at my website, affordableinteriordesign.com. And then of course, I will sign it for you. Or you can get it on Amazon, at Barnes & Noble, wherever you love. While it's a little bit different, the bulk of it is the same. This is a re-release. So it has a new title, all new pictures, and what else? Oh, I did get to update quite a few of the tips. So you'll see some of my fresh new takes and some fresh content, but for the most part, it will look very familiar. But if you don't have my first book, Big Design, Small Budget, you must, must, must get the re-release because like I said, it is most current, right? Okay, so with that being said, I am thinking about doing some new classes, maybe even a certification program. That's in the pipeline, and what I'm waiting to do is determine exactly what that curriculum will be. So if you have ideas for me on things you want to learn, topics you want me to cover, please send it to Betsy at affordableinteriordesign.com. Not only might I share some of those tips and suggestions on a 
podcast or on a Facebook Live, but then I might also tackle them in depth in a true course. So stay tuned, Ski. As for Las Vegas, as for expanding out west, as many of you know, we expanded to Washington, D.C. this year, and that has been really exciting. We are learning a lot about how to expand to a new market, how to train our designers in our design style, and I see us expanding very soon, and the west is certainly a place that would be on our radar, but unfortunately, it's not on our radar yet. We have lots to do on the east coast, and we're a very small Firm. In fact, we're such a small firm that we are hiring. So if you know anybody who loves to do admin work, if you know anybody who could help with our back-end operations, send them to affordableinteriordesign.com. We have a careers tab, and we are currently hiring for several admin positions. Not designers yet, because we, we just got some new designers this fall, but definitely focused on admin positions. So head on over if you have a love for design and want to work virtually. Okay, so my next note came from Hannah. And Hannah writes, Hi Betsy, I recently discovered your podcast after an unexpected move that thrust me into a huge yet exciting home remodeling project panic. I have picked up some great tips in such a short amount of time, and I am so thankful to have you as a resource on this as we embark on what will be our forever home when we are done. We're starting in mid-January, so I have to start making these decisions pretty quickly. Here's my situation. Me, my husband, and our eight- and nine-year-old children live in a wonderful Mayberry-type neighborhood of Cape Cod. Traditional and split-level homes that were built in the 60s line our neighborhood. When our neighbors next door decided to move, they came to us because we had expressed interest that we were looking for a little more space, but just couldn't bring ourselves to move far away from our street where our neighbors are like our family. So lo and behold, in a matter of weeks, we had sold our home and purchased the home next door. We moved into a house that now has three times the square footage, but it also has a lot of issues. Here are my questions. We have to replace the flooring in the entire home due to pet urine issues and structural remodeling. We're opening up the kitchen, dining room, and living room. I have chosen a light hickory engineered wood flooring for the main floor and a dark wood look vinyl for the basement. How would you suggest that we transition the stairs? Is it okay to mix these drastically different styles? Keep in mind my keywords are distinctly different for each floor. I have a clean farmhouse Scandinavian style for the main floors, which is my true aesthetic. But I would really like a fun, dark, mod, boho style keeping with the era of the home for downstairs. I want it to feel like you are stepping into a different world. Should I choose something else for the basement floors? Something that transitions more easily? Can we take the hickory all the way down? Could wall color help? Please, I have no idea. Okay, Hannah, so what I'm going to tell you right now to answer this first question is that I can see from your pictures that there is a door between that main area of flooring that you're refinishing and the basement. The exciting thing about that is this door is probably rarely fully open, so you won't be able to see if there is a differentiation in texture or color between the two floors. That being said, you told me about your personal style, and I want to let you know, as a homeowner who's in my forever home, uh, styles can change. What I chose four years ago when I moved into my space 
is different than I might choose today. And not only is that impacted by trends, but it's also impacted by my personal evolution. My kids are roughly the same age as yours. Mine are six and seven, and yours are eight or nine. And, um, you know, what you're liking now, what's good for your family now may not be what's good for them forever. I'm just very hesitant for you to select the flooring based on your personal style right now. I think that's going to change and develop as you grow into this home. My inclination would be to do this same flooring for both the basement and the upstairs as long as that's advisable per your contractor. For instance, if your basement gets a lot of moisture, if its floor is uneven, well, you may require something that's a different texture than upstairs where you may not have those problems. I, for one, had that issue in my basement. My basement floor is wildly uneven, and every now and again it gets damp. And there are several issues which mean that we cannot remediate this moisture issue down there. Um, Certainly we have a dehumidifier and things like that, but a part of it is just going to always be intrinsic to our basement, unfortunately. So I needed to use a different texture. Upstairs, we have real wood. It's beautifully stained. Downstairs, I went with a vinyl roll that's almost like a gymnasium floor that could not only go with the flow in terms of the unevenness of our floors, but is also very forgiving when there's any moisture issues. So you may want to keep that in mind. But no matter what you choose, I would choose a color and texture that is somewhat cohesive with the upstairs. Even though your look is going to be drastically different and you're going to take care of that component with rugs, with painting, with artwork, Uh, I would not choose to take care of it with flooring because flooring is something you don't want to change out for a very, a very, very long time. All right, so let's move on to your next question, which is, Betsy, I have a fun side note. I love this unique mint green vintage kitchen in our basement, but I am not sure how to convince my husband to keep it. Do you have any ideas about a surrounding that might help him to visualize it in a newly remodeled funky space? We both work in the wine business and we could really use this space more functionally as a countertop because we entertain so much. But I think this piece is really cool and I hate to see it go. All right. So you have this big metal stove in your basement that also has this extension um, where I guess people dried their dishes before or did some moderate meal prep. It's got these deep grooves, so it's not completely functional as a countertop or even a display area, and it is right next to the stove. So there's a limited amount of tasks that you could do on that surface. It is super cool. Now, if this was upstairs in your kitchen, I would say it's got to go. It's so charming. You know I love retro as much as the next designer, but um, it's just taking up too much space, too much real estate for what it's offering you. But in the basement, as I look at these pictures, right across from this stove slash prep area, you have a huge countertop, which I guess you're using as a bar. I mean, it must be at least 10 to 12 feet long. And if that's not prep space, I don't know what is. If you can't display all your wine and paraphernalia 
between that and the back bar, well, I'm not sure I can help you. I mean, it looks like you have a lot of unused real estate down here. And I don't see why you'd have to dig this guy up to get three and a half feet of space when you have 11 feet of space on the other side. I would be inclined to leave the green beast or whatever your husband might refer to it as and to find some storage and display in other areas. Hopefully that helps. And just to let you know, you will need to bring that mint green color into some other areas of your basement to help that piece really sing and make it feel more cohesive. That's just my two cents. All right. Now you have another question for me. You say, Betsy, I'm really leaning towards off-white simple wall cabinets and a shade of hunter green for a statement for our oversized kitchen island lowers. But I can't find anything online that gives me a visual and is still my clean house I'm sorry, my clean farmhouse, Higgy vibe. My husband thinks I am nuts for insisting on going green. And although it's one of my favorite colors, I've never once considered it for decor. I have a really loud, instinctual angel on my shoulder telling me, just go for it and do a brighter, what I would consider risky shade like Benjamin Moore's Hunter Green or Pine Grove. The outside of the home is traditional brick with off-white siding and Hunter Green shutters. I really think this is where my idea generated from. Or perhaps it's the view from the kitchen window that looks out onto a magnificent pine tree. Do you think I'm way off base? Should I stick with a safer, more grayish olive color or go all the way to jewel tone? I'm just so unsure about what shade of green my builder has given me carte blanche with a great cabinet company and I can truly do any hue I want. I'm thinking this would be my 30% with a coral or terracotta being the 10% and then it would tie in with some dining table decor and chairs and a small seating area in front of the fireplace. It would be a large open space. I'm just so lost on how green to go. Okay. Now, I'm going to give you a piece of advice because I know that this is your forever home. And I'm going to tell you, go green if you want to. But cabinets, especially custom cabinets, are very expensive. And then having them painted is an additional expense. And as I said, I'm very concerned that you loving green now may be something that changes in the future. And while changing out a backsplash can be fun, changing out wall paint can be something that's fairly easy to do, changing out cabinets is a huge financial commitment. I would be more inclined for you to do something neutral on the uppers and the lowers and bring in pops of green with that awesome backsplash, with your fun KitchenAid appliances, with a set of La Crusade dishes, right? This is where I would personally bring in the green, but you seem very sold on green. I don't want to convince you otherwise, and you might as well make all your dreams come true. Don't go bashful. Don't go olive. Don't go with a gray-green Truly go for it if you're going to go green. Green is controversial enough that you might as well just commit to the extreme or not do it at all. So that is my two cents. And I think you have, oh no, you don't have any more questions for me. You're all set. All right, Hannah. Well, I was glad I could help and happy painting. And now it's time for a quick commercial break. asked for it and we have answered the call. For years you've been saying, Betsy, 
You're talking about all these great design concepts, but we can't visualize them. You're describing the picture that the listener sent in of their problem, and we wish we could see that picture too. After all, a picture is worth a thousand words, and I do my best to describe them, but there's nothing like seeing it for yourself. And that's why Affordable Interior Design, the podcast, now has a YouTube channel. Not only do we have a YouTube channel where you could see recordings and clips of these podcast episodes, we also have an Instagram, a Facebook, and so many other exciting things. You should check it out. Head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash links. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash L-I-N-K-S links. And when you go there, you will see links to our YouTube page, our Instagram page, our Facebook page, and more. Please check it out, follow and subscribe so you can see everything I'm talking about. All right, my next question, or it looks like it's just an email, comes from Mangala. I hope I'm saying that correctly. Hello, Betsy. How are you doing today? I am Mangala. I am originally from India and now I live in Columbus, Ohio. I am an IT professional currently and a stay-at-home mom. I am very passionate about interior designing. I love to read books on interior decoration whenever I find time for myself. I happened to read your affordable interior design book recently and was spellbound. By far, I felt it was the best interior design book I have ever read. I could not skip a word in this book. I loved all the details you discussed, and my favorite part was chapter three, Know Your Style. I wanted to appreciate your work. Good job, and keep writing. Regards, Mangala. Now, guys, why did I share that note with you? Well, first of all, it's my assistant who puts all these notes into one large file, and I read them on the airwaves with you, usually live, not usually for the first time, but definitely I don't go back and pour over them multiple times. So I've read this one a couple times, and it has brought me so much joy, Mangala. Thank you so much. And I really appreciate all your kudos. You know, we do this podcast for free. It doesn't cost you anything, and it does cost us to both produce it and keep it on the airwaves. So not only are your notes of support really buoying, but I also am so grateful for our bonus members, our premium members who went to bigdesignsmallbudget.com and became a premium subscription member at $5.99 a month, getting access to our bonus episodes, to our gumroad.com content that you can download on your phone. We have nearly 50 episodes there. And there's a new one that launches each and every month. And thank you. So thank you for your support. Thank you for your encouraging notes. They truly keep me coming back week after week. Now, I'm going to go off script, okay? I'm going to go off script because I was just talking to a client on the phone. So with our packages, whether they're virtual or in person, we have what's called a follow-up call. And this is a call that they schedule whenever they want additional support. After the package is complete, they have 30 minutes to pick our brains and say, Betsy, what do you think about this? Betsy, I want to put some finishing touches on. How do you like this? So it's automatically built into our package that you might have some lingering questions about accessorizing or after pictures. So I was working with this client on the Upper West Side and literally 
literally two minutes before I launched into this Facebook Live, I hung up the call with her. And she had a question that I thought might be of interest to you guys because this is a personal feeling that I have never put out there before. And my other designers do not share it, but I want to share my philosophy because I feel very strongly about it. She was asking me about pillows. And first of all, pillows come in a wide array of sizes. They come in lumbar style. And let me tell you about lumbar style pillows. I think that you can have one lumbar style pillow per seating area. So if you want to have lumbar style pillows on your chairs, you can have one per chair. But you may not also have one on the sofa. If you want to have a lumbar pillow on the sofa, I feel you should only have one, not multiple lumbar pillows on the sofa. Because a lumbar pillow is a rectangular shape. And a rectangular shaped pillow is a little bit unique. And if you have lots of them, well, it's no longer unique. And you've taken the specialness out of this uniquely shaped pillow. I feel the exact same way about circular pillows, heart pillows, triangular pillows. Anytime you have a pillow that is not a square, it is unique. And I think you should limit the number that you have in any one space. So there's my little diatribe on lumbar pillows. Now let me talk about the sizes of standard square pillows. The most standard range of sizes for square pillows is 16 inches square to 24 inches square. I think 16 looks way too small. I think 24 looks way too big. Now, stores carry both 16 and 24 inch pillows, so they're out there. You can buy them. If you don't be careful, you might buy them accidentally, not realizing how strangely disproportionate they are. I find that an 18-inch square pillow, a 20-inch square pillow, or a 22-inch square pillow are truly the best sizes for sofas, chairs, standard living. When you get to the 16, it's just too small. It belongs in a doll's house. When you get to 24, it looks like one of those Moroccan floor cushions. It does not look like it belongs on a sofa. It looks oversized, and it doesn't leave a lot of room for seating. So unless you have a very overstuffed sectional, I just am not down with the 24. So that is my feeling on that. But we went even a little bit deeper with our pillow discussion, me and my client Jennifer, and we talked about the mix. She showed me a wide array of pillows that she was interested in buying, and all of them had sculptural texture, and meaning that you could see that there was a texture pattern So the texture was repeated and it looked like a visual pattern, but it was just sculptural. The actual tonality of the pillow, the color of the pillow was all blush. We were looking at several kinds. So she had all blush or all light blue. And while some of them had pin tucks, while some of them had sort of this damask pattern, none of it was actually a pattern through color. It was all a pattern through texture. In other words, the pillow was kind of bumpy. And so you could texturally see that there was a differentiation, but color-wise you could not. If I squint, the pillow appeared to be one solid color. Now my personal philosophy on this is that if you have a texturally patterned pillow, you can only have one set of those. So she basically wanted to use two sets of those with her West Elm flame rug. She wanted to use blush 
texturally patterned pillows, as well as light blue texturally patterned pillows. And for me, that feels redundant. And even though you're going to find a lot of these online, a lot of options, and it's quite a safe choice, I think it's too much of the same idea. So I would like you to have two texturally patterned pillows, which are essentially solids, right? Because there's no color differentiation. And then two patterned pillows that do have color differentiation. Even if it's just a white background on which a blush pattern is overlaid, when you squint, you will see that contrast. And as you guys know, from listening to my podcast, from reading my book, Affordable Interior Design, from reading the previous version of my book, Big Design, Small Budget, you know that contrast is king. If there was one takeaway you should keep with you when you're shopping, that you should use as your mantra when you're designing, it should be contrast. When you squint, you want to see differentiation. We don't want it to look like we shopped at the salad pillow store. We don't want it to look like we shopped at the all wood store, at the all oversized pillow store, at the all glass store. We want to be constantly mixing and matching different ideas so that it looks like we have a beautiful, cohesive collection of things we've gathered over time that have lots of different attributes, but somehow all go together. So that is the statement I will leave you with today because as I was discussing this with Jennifer, I was like, hey, I don't think I've ever shared that before in a public forum and people need to know. If you have questions about that tip, if you have differing points of view, send them my way. I would love to share your emails. Send them to Betsy at AffordableInteriorDesign.com. Go on our Facebook page. I love being live with you guys at Affordable Interior Design. And um, have a great week, guys. Stay warm. Stay bundled up. Stay safe. Stay happy. Go out there and design something. And I will catch you next week. Bye. Are you a fan of this podcast? Do you wish there was even more juicy content for you to sink your ears into? Well, there is. You can become a premium member of this podcast for $5.99 a month and get full access to an archive of over 50 bonus episodes. Additionally, we release a bonus episode every single month. That's a ton of extra content, including my personal interior design diaries, extra tips, my talking about trends, and so much more. Additionally, you'll be keeping us on the airwaves each and every week because your premium membership money goes directly back to making this podcast amazing. Check us out at affordableinteriordesign.com. Click on podcast to learn more and to become a premium member today. A big thank you to our amazing producer, Catherine Heller, to Aton and the MBCR House Band, and to Affordable Interior Design, the sponsor of this podcast and the premier place to get an amazing look on a budget. Check out affordableinteriordesign.com. If you guys love the show, the very best way to support us is by spreading the word. Tell your friends or write us an awesome review on iTunes. So until next week, guys, thanks so much for joining us, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.